Good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Yum China's first quarter 2021 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. And I'd like to hand the conference over to your first speaker today, Ms. Debbie Ding. Thank you. Please go ahead. Thank you, operator. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining Yum China's first quarter 2021 earnings conference call. Joining us on today's call are our CEO, Ms. Joey Watt, and our CFO, Mr. Andy Young. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that our earnings call and investor presentations contain forward-looking statements, which are subject to future events and uncertainties. Our actual results may differ materially from these forward-looking statements. All forward-looking statements should be considered in conjunction with the cautionary statement in our earnings release and the risk factors included in our filings with the SEC. This call also includes certain non-GAAP financial measures. You should carefully consider the comparable GAAP measures. Reconsideration of the non-GAAP and GAAP measure is included in our earnings release. Today's call includes three sections. Joey will provide an update regarding recent developments in our first quarter 2021 results. Andy will then cover the financial performance in greater detail. Finally, we will open the call to questions. You can find the webcast of this call and a PowerPoint presentation which contains operational and financial information for the quarter on our IR website. Now I would like to turn the call over to Ms. Joey Wah, CEO of Yum China. Joey? Thank you, Debbie. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Our first quarter results demonstrate the resilience of Yum China. We delivered $342 million in operating profits. System sales grew 34% year-over-year as same-store sales recovered with 10% growth. We accelerated our store expansion, opening 315 new stores in a quarter. First quarter trading was adversely affected by the resurgence of COVID outbreaks and uh, tightened public health measures. The impact was particularly pronounced in northern China where cases spiked and in transportation locations due to sharply lower passenger volumes. I would like to thank our 400,000 plus employees and riders for their contributions during this difficult period. Many of them did not return to their hometown to celebrate a holiday with their families, instead serving our customers and communities. We delivered these strong results with the dedication and agility of our people. The pandemic has introduced volatility and uncertainty to our trading patterns. Our team acted and reacted nimbly to changing conditions. By planning for a variety of possible situations, and deploying resources flexibly, we overcome operational challenges. Partnering with our suppliers and through inventory and production planning, our in-house supply chain managed complexities and potential disruptions to fulfill the demand of our 10,000 plus store network. Our operations team ensured the best possible level of restaurant staffing and delivery riders. Our operational effectiveness facilitated by our digital capabilities. Amid the fluid situations, we were able to quickly adjust offers and deploy labor as demand patterns shifted. It certainly reinforces our determination to continue investment in digital 
technology and supply chain to fortify our competitive advantages. Let me now update you on our core brands. First, let's start with KFC. KFC delivered operating profit of $327 million. System sales grew 24%. KFC continued to rapidly expand, opening 253 new stores in the first quarter. During Chinese New Year, we kept our operations simple to address the heavy food traffic. We focused on our signature products of fried chicken and burger. Our golden bucket, Xinchun Jintong, offered abundant value and resonate well with customers. With a variety of buckets, we captured different party sizes. In the off-peak period, we brought back KFC's signature beef wrap, Neniu Wufan, and add crayfish to make it more premium and exciting. We also launched the new Chongqing Chili Pop Burger, Ma La Xiang Guo Bao. As part of the offering, we ran a special promotion with the popular action role-playing game, Zhenxing Impact Yuanzhen, which was very well received by younger customers. Our leading digital and delivery capabilities enable us to stay agile in this fluid situation. Despite the recovery in dying, delivery remains popular and accounts for 28% of sales, up 10% compared to pre-COVID level in first quarter of 2019. We drove this rapid pace of growth through our hybrid delivery model, omni-channel marketing in our own super app, and aggregators drive demand, while fulfillment is done by our own dedicated riders. The, that, this allowed us to capture delivery demand with sufficient riders, which was especially crucial in ensuring the success this Chinese New Year. Delivery growth was also enabled by our continuous investment in strengthening our delivery capabilities. We started Traison-based rider sharing in 2019. Last year, we upgraded our rider platform to improve zoning, rider routing, and monitoring. We also started testing rider sharing between KFC and Pizza Hut. This is the first time we put the platform to test during Chinese New Year peak period, and we are pleased with the progress. Leveraging our digital assets and direct connections with our over 290 million members, we were able to shorten the lead time of our marketing campaigns and modify them so that we can be more responsive to changing market conditions and consumer demand, of course. Our digital infrastructure also allows us to deploy the appropriate supply and staffing level where needed. Digitization is essential to operating efficiently. As part of our end-to-end digitization initiatives, we pilot launched an AI-enabled restaurant inventory management tool, leveraging historical data, recent trends, and real-time inventory levels. This tool improves forecast accuracy for our limited time overs. This enables us to optimize inventory and improve productivity. Now let's move on to Pizza Hut. We are encouraged by Pizza Hut's strong recovery in the first quarter. Same store sales grew 38% and operating profit reached 60 million. <clears throat> These results reflect our efforts to improve fundamentals. Let me provide an update along the four key pillars. First, our product offerings have significantly improved over the past few years. We have several successful product launches during Chinese New Year, 
such as serve a turf platter with sea bass and steak. 烤烤烤鲈鱼啊，烤鲈鱼牛排拼盘。A flower-shaped stuffed crust pizza, 自信花仁 pizza. A year of the off holiday feast set featuring signature products, 必胜巨牛宴 These products were great for sharing and were well received by consumers. In March, Pizza Hut refreshed its menu, replacing 40% of the menu with new or upgraded offerings. Such as beef Wellington and roast beef tapas. We also introduced Portuguese chicken curry, our popular dish on the delivery menu to dine. We also have been、uh, unlocking the growth potential of breakfast and afternoon tea. We strengthened the menu with new offerings, such as French toast for breakfast and a three-layer tea set for afternoon tea time. Apart from good food. We have also been actively engaging customers both offline and online. During Chinese New Year, we celebrate the festival with consumers by bringing in some of China's intangible cultural heritage, such as shadow puppetry and paper cutting, into our stores.、Um, and then on the digital front, we have been strengthening our membership program and super app to engage members and improve customer service. Our member base. Exceeded 90 million and contributed 55% of total sales, up nine percentage points year over year. Digital ordering increased to over 80% of sales, from 65% a year ago, as table-side mobile ordering became more popular. We are also applying digitization and automation in our kitchens to improve operations. As part of our multi-phase intelligent kitchen project. We started to roll out an AI-enabled tool to pace food preparation and provide real-time metrics of kitchen performance. Initial results have shown improved efficiency and customer experience. Third, Pizza Hut is strengthening its delivery, takeaway, and ready-to-cook offerings. Delivery accounted for 35% of sales, an increase of over 10% from pre-COVID level in first quarter 2019. While growing from a small base, we are expanding our takeaway and ready-to-cook business through menu innovation and making them more convenient for consumers. Lastly, we enhanced our store portfolio through accelerated remodels and new store formats. Since 2018, we have refreshed nearly half of Pizza Hut stores to make them more relevant to our consumers. This is over 1,100 stores. As we promised. Promised in the 2019 Investor Day, average store age is now below three years. The stores look great. The new small store format, which includes the hub and spoke model, which is also mentioned in the 2019 Investor Day, is creating more opportunities for Pizza Hut expansion, enabling us to capture the growing demand for off-premise dining. Of the 44 new units that we opened in the first quarter, over half are in small store format. I'm confident that we will unleash Pizza Hut's growth potential through this combination of much improved fundamentals, strong digital capabilities, multiple sales channels, and rejuvenated assets. In summary, we're pleased that our brands react quickly to the fluid market conditions and deliver. Strong operating profits despite those pressures. 
Most importantly, we remain optimistic about our long-term growth opportunity in China. We will continue to accelerate store expansion for our core brands, grow our emerging brands, and enhance end-to-end digitization and intelligent supply chain to build a bigger and nimble um, young China. While we are optimistic about our future, we remain cautious about near-term conditions. Occasional COVID outbreaks like we saw recently in Yunnan are a constant reminder that we are not back to normal yet. Tightened public health measures continue to be a daily routine and continue to have a lingering impact on consumer behavior. Dying volume is still well below pre-COVID levels, but we are not sitting still. Our nimble and innovative culture enable us to adjust marketing and operations quickly as things evolve. With that, I will turn the call over to Andy. Andy? Thank you, Joey, and hello, everyone. Let me now provide additional details on our first quarter financials and then share perspective on this year's outlook. Unless noted otherwise, all percentage changes are before the effects of foreign exchange. Uh, let me first cover our Q1 financial results. We experienced substantial year-over-year growth in the first quarter as we began to lap COVID-19 impact period last year. Total revenue grew 36% year-over-year, led by same-store sales growth of 10%, new unit contribution, and substantially fewer temporary store closures. Because of the volatility induced by the pandemic in 2020, the year-on-year comparisons are less representative. Looking at the two-year change gives a better sense of how we are trending back to pre-COVID levels. So we are providing performance measures here for convenience comparison with 2019. Same store sales recovered to approximately 94% of the first quarter 2019. Total revenue grew roughly 7% compared to first quarter 2019, benefited from new units and consolidation of Suzhou KFC and Wangjiwa. As we discussed in the last earning call, the sales recovery was disrupted by the resurgence of regional outbreaks and significantly reduced travel. Travel volume during the 40 days Chinese New Year period was down approximately 40% year over year and 70% compared to 2019. These impacts were more pronounced for KFC as it has more store in the transportation locations. On a year-over-year basis, KFC same-store sales grew 5%, driven by the recovery of dine-in sales, while delivery remains popular. On a two-year basis, sales recovered to approximately 94%, with the same-store traffic at approximately 87%. Average ticket mm-hmm. grew roughly 87, uh, sorry, 8% versus 2019 due to increase in delivery mix. The respective average ticket of delivery and dine-in remain flat. These same-store sales grew 38% year-over-year, driven entirely by the recovery of traffic. On a two-year basis, sales recovered to approximately 95%, led by a 2% increase in traffic. This is a true testament to the success of the brand has achieved in executing its revitalization plan. Unlike KFC, the increase in delivery and takeaway mix contributed to lower ticket average versus 2019. 
Measure margin was 18.7%, up 8 points compared to last year. This was mainly driven by sales leverage, operational excellence, and favorable commodity prices. Cost of sales was 30.2%, which was 180 basis points lower than last year. Commodity prices declined by 7% year-over-year, mainly, uh, mainly helped by lower poultry prices. The impact was partially offset by investment in promotion to drive traffic. Cost of labor was 23.3%, 220 basis points lower than last year. Sales leverage and labor productivity improvement more than offset wage inflation and diminished government subsidies. Given the labor shortage that we are experiencing, we are still actively seeking to hire additional restaurant staff. Occupancy and order was 27.8%, four points lower than last year, mainly attributable to sales leverage and savings in other operating costs. We also received approximately $6 million in rental reductions and gasoline relief. Compared to 2019, restaurant margin was relatively flat. Productivity gains and cost control offset sales leverage, investment in value promotions, and increase wider costs associated with the rise in delivery volume. GNA expenses increased 24% year over year, mainly due to a timing shift of government incentives, gradual phase-outs of COVID-19 related relief and the consolidation of Wang Jiwang and Suzhou KFC. Excluding this impact, GNA increased 3% reflecting our ongoing cost controls. Offering profit was $342 million compared to $97 million last year. The increase was mainly driven by sales and restaurant margin improvement, partially offset by the increase in GNA expenses. Our effective tax rate was 29.6%. Net income was $230 million, and adjusted net income was $233 million, excluding $16 million market market investment loss it was $249 million, up 225% year-on-year. Dollar EPS increased to $0.53. Cents. This reflects common share that were issued as part of our secondary listing in Hong Kong in September 2020. Now let's turn to the outlook. As Joey noted, we are optimistic about our growth opportunities in China but we remain cautious about the near-term environment. While the pandemic impact is subsiding, we must be mindful that the pandemic is not over yet. The full recovery takes time with an uneven and non-linear recovery path. We are confronting a couple of realities here. First, preventive measures will remain in effect. This will have a continuing impact on consumer behavior. Sporadic outbreaks remain, remind consumer of a lingering risk. Social distancing and small gatherings may persist for some time. Dine-in occasions are still well below pre-COVID levels. Second, consumer spending is cautious. Government data shows that despite apparent recovery in domestic travel volume during Chengming holiday weekend, in April, 
the related travel spending was still down over 40% comparing to pre-pandemic level in 2019. In fact, sales at our transportation location remained well below 2019 levels. Against this backdrop, we expect it will take time for same-store sales to fully recover to pre-COVID levels. We will focus on driving top-line growth with compelling value propositions, more marketing campaigns, product innovations, and digital engagement with consumers for both dine-in and off-premise occasions. While necessary, this initiative will pressure our margins. Apart from that, we face other cost impediments. The tailwind of favorable commodity prices in the first quarter will likely gradually subside. At this time, we expect poultry prices to rebound and partially, uh, potentially turn into inflationary pressure later this year. In addition to replacing plastic packaging with eco-friendly materials, we will also invest packaging upgrades for delivery and takeaway. We expect labor costs to increase in the subsequent quarters. There are two components to that. First, wage inflation was 2% in the first quarter as minimum wage increases were deferred in certain markets. We expect wage inflation to pick up in the second half of the year. Full-year wage inflation should stay at mid-single digits. Second, increasing increased hiring. In the past few quarters, we have been short of part-time workers due to COVID-related restrictions. We're working to increase restaurant staffing levels. While this will increase training hours and wage expenses, it is critical for our customer services and long-term viability. We have approximately $6 million of temporary relief from the government and landlord in the first quarter. This was partly due to a timing shift of amount previously applied in 2020. We expect this support to taper off as the year progresses. As a reminder, we are lapping over $100 million relief in 2020. In the second quarter 2020 alone, we received approximately $50 million U.S. million in relief. Startup investment in technology, end-to-end digitization, and operational infrastructure will strengthen our capability and further solidify our competitive position. But in the near term, this will pressure our margins and offering profits. To wrap things up, we're working diligently to drive same-store sale recovery and accelerate store expansion. We are also committed to invest to drive accelerated growth and create value for our shareholder in the long term. With that, I will pass you back to Debbie to start the Q&A. Debbie? Thanks, Sandy. We will now open the court for questions. In order to give as many people as possible the chance to ask questions, please limit your questions to one at a time. Operator, please start the Q&A. Excellent. Just a reminder, if you wish to ask a question, it is star one. To withdraw your question, please press the pound hash key. Once again, it is star one. Thank you. We have multiple questions in the queue. Our first question is from Brian Bittner from Oppenheimer. Please ask your question, Brian. Thank you. Um, I hope you all are doing well and staying safe. Um, can you help the investors in the United States just better understand 
who are not in China better understand what type of consumer trends you're seeing in your store base that are not located in the transportation hubs. I understand the transportation locations are challenged given the transportation trends, but overall you've already recovered 94% of your pre-COVID sales volume, so you're pretty close to a full recovery. So are you seeing a more clear path to pre-COVID sales levels in those markets that are outside the transportation hubs, or is there still a lot of volatility and headwinds related to the pandemic in those more traditional markets? Um, thank you, Brian. Um, uh, we are all staying quite safe in Shanghai. China is uh, is recovering quite quite smoothly, despite uh, not completely out yet. Let me let me give you um, uh, an overall picture about the Chinese New Year trend, and then compare the KFC versus Pizza Hut, and then a bit specific about the non-transportation hub. Hopefully that gives uh, uh, some ideas about what's going on here. So let's start with the Chinese New Year. Um, we 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 had a lot of uncertainties uh, before going to Chinese New Year because the trading was a bit soft. Um, and what what our company has done is to pair have quite a few scenarios planned. Uh, so we react quickly. And as we adapt to the market condition, the, the trading picked up during Chinese New Year and was robust. But after the Chinese New Year, we uh, continue to see some weaknesses in trading, uh, particularly in transportation hub. Uh, outside transportation hub, to answer your question, the dining volume is still well below the pre-COVID, uh, pre-COVID level. That's why we, we, we remind our investors that we are not out of the wood yet. Uh, but what can we do? We stay agile uh, and we, we plan for the possible um, scenario. So that's point one. In terms of point two, which is, you know, a big picture of KFC versus Pizza Hut, we are happy with both uh, brands' recovery because the Q1 results show the resilience and the energy of both brands. Um, the sales was disrupted, but with the scenario planning, the year-on-year things of sales uh, for for KSCP Tahat, and I'm referring to two years, so pre-COVID-19 level, uh, KFC was minus 6%, which is 94%, and that includes the impact of the the transportation, transportation hub. Pizza Hut uh, recovered to uh, 95 uh, compared to 2019 Q1 um, without much of the transportation hubs in their store portfolio. Uh, so so that gives a sense because 2020, the numbers are, are a bit unusual. Um, and then when we look at the system sales, uh, um, the, the Pizza Hut compared to 2019 is still minus two because Pizza Hut did not open that many stores last year, although we are picking up in Q1. But KFC, uh, system sales recovered to plus 6% versus 2019 because we opened a lot of stores last year. So I hope that gives a sense that, that you know, it, it's not, it, with or without the transportation hub, uh, the, 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 the single sales is still uh, having a little bit gap versus 2019. So come to the, uh, a bit more specific about the, the, 
the the trend and 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 the trading. Uh, you know, Andy talked about the transportation hub business uh, is still forty uh, percent uh, down compared to twenty twenty, and that's the traffic. And in terms of sales, it's pretty much in line, although we do slightly better than the traffic number. Um, and then in terms of city tier, uh, I'm talking about KFC because KFC still covers 1,500 cities in China, uh, over 1,500 cities in China. So that gives a better, better big picture of what's going on here. The lower tier cities uh, have better sales, uh, single sales than the higher tier cities, uh, mainly because the higher tier city stores have the element and mix of transportation hub stores. And then the delivery growth uh, is better in lower tier city. And the eastern part and western part of China led the recovery. Uh, northern part and northeastern part of China, uh, because of the regional outbreak, uh, they have been a bit softer. And then weekend and weekday, our our traffic is pretty much back to where, where it needs to be. Uh, or where we want it to be, uh, because we have add a bit more uh, promotion to to drive the weekend traffic, which was a bit soft before, but now back to uh, pretty normal. And then for the non-transportation hub stores, um, uh, just single out these sales store, uh, it is it's about two percent gap versus 2019 or pre-COVID level. So uh, Brian, I hope that gives you a comprehensive view. Uh, of the of the trading uh, from consumer behavior point of view, they're still quite value cautious, and therefore we uh, still have to be mindful about the value that we can pass on to consumer. But that's not the only thing they want. They still want new products. So, <laughs> other than value, we still uh, launch new products to to make sure that um, you know we 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 encourage the customer to come back. So I'll pause here on um, any. Yeah, I just had a couple of things to add there, uh, Brian. Uh, good evening to you. Um, I think you know for the folks outside of China, I think it's important to you know keep in mind that you know we still uh, you know facing quite a bit of uncertainty and uh, and challenges related to COVID-19. Uh, so even though you know like it, things seem to have come down a lot here, uh, you know we we did have a, a regional resurgence, you know at the end of last year and beginning of this year, right? So that have an impact on our first quarter trading. Um, so, uh, and then when we look around, you know, uh, I think we still, you know, have quite a bit of health uh, preventive measures that is still in place. So that was still, and then governments will continue to remind folks to stay alert, uh, not to be alarmed, but stay alert, uh, you know, on the COVID situation. And as we, you know, look, you know, outside of China, and then we have seen the resurgence uh, in some other uh, country in, in Asia, including, you know, Japan and and more recently, you know, the situation in India. So that reminds us that, you know, like, uh, we're not out of the wood. Um, so, so still a lot of challenging, challenge ahead. Um, as Joey mentioned, you know, obviously, Transportation Hub is an important business for KFC. It accounts for high single digit of the sales. So, you know, that will continue to be, you know, sort of like, you know, a, a challenge for them to overcome uh, to reach that, you know, fully recover uh, ancestry compared to the pre-COVID level. Uh, same thing for the dining, right? Dining, I think in the first quarter, where traffic was, you know, still at about 87% level, at the type of pre-code level. Uh, our delivery business is doing fantastically well, right? So we grew very strongly last year. Uh, I think this year we're still growing at, you know, uh, um, mid, 
double-digit number, right? So, um, you know, uh, so that continues to be, you know, a bright spot for, for us. Uh, so we can compare to with COVID level, obviously, uh, grow more than, you know, uh, I think 60, 70%, right? So, so that's sort of like the overall situation. Right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both for the perspective. Uh, next telephone question is from Chen Lau from Bofa Securities. Please ask your question, Chen. Uh, thank you, Joey and Andy. Uh, I've got a question on the margin side. Uh, so uh, it seems that Peter had posted pretty strong margins for Q1 this year. And in fact, if my correct, uh, my calculation is correct, it should be the highest uh, ever since 2018 or uh, when we started the revitalization process. So what's our future strategy with regard to uh, Pizza Hut uh, in terms of balancing margins and things to sales growth? Is it fair to say that uh, the future margin trend of Pizza Hut could be above the level that we saw during the past few years when we are in the process of revitalizing Pizza Hut? Thank you. I don't know. Uh, this is Andy. So let me let me try to address your questions and then see if do uh, you have any uh, follow up. Um, so I think if you look at uh, you know Pizza Hut, obviously we're very pleased with the execution there. Uh, I think over the past couple of quarters that they have demonstrated that you know they have executing their revitalization program really well, uh, and then they are you know building on that resiliency, right? So um, uh, I think. Uh, some of the, those, as we mentioned before, you know, obviously, you know, is, is improvement. I think, you know, if you look at the fundamental, we continue to look at, you know, that improvement uh, based on the fundamentals that we have laid out before, right? You know, store, remodeling, uh, you know, menu, the food. Uh, we also, you know, work on the digitization program, which worked out very well for us, you know, in the uh, pandemics, right? We were able to pivot very quickly. Um, so, uh, and if you look at the digital number for, for uh, tabletop orders, you know, it's quite incredible right now. It's almost like, you know, 80% of that. So um, so I think I think they have, you know, did a really good job, you know, in revitalizing, you know, fundamental. Uh, we still, I mean, they, their recovery is quite strong, but I think I don't think we, we can say, like, as, as a whole company, we cannot say that, you know, we're out of the wood compared to, you know, for the COVID level. Uh, so, you know, the top priority for them still is, you know, driving traffic, and we're glad that, you know, for the first quarter, uh, in 2021, uh, we see, you know, uh, actually, you know, the, the traffic uh, increase not only year over year, but also, you know, compared to the 2019 level in the first quarter. Uh, so, so the next one is obviously try that sales, uh, sales number, and so, so there's still some work there. And I think we will continue to uh, uh, emphasize on, you know, value for money, uh, value, as Joey mentioned, very important for consumer now, uh, in a in a, when they, as they coming out from the, uh, the impact from COVID-19, um, so you know uh, again, you know, like are we pleased with the progress in uh, cost control executions? Uh, but you know, I think profit is still not the number one party for us. We still for um, for uh, for pizza and also KFC, obviously, uh, is you know to drive that store traffic, drive the consumer back to the store, uh, and then you know uh, aim for that full recovery in. The things off sales uh, competitive pre court level, uh, but I think you know, like if you look at uh, uh, Pizza Hut, uh, some of the you know improvement will definitely uh, continue, uh, and and some of that, as we mentioned before, for example, as we see the poultry prices, uh, the protein prices are going up. Uh, you know that in you know second half, like as the year progresses, we may see 
you know, inflationary pressure there. Uh, both brands are doing, you know, packaging improvement, right? You know, transitioning from uh, plastic to eco-friendly materials, uh, but also investing uh, more into, you know, packaging for upgrades for, for delivery uh, and also for takeaway products. Um, that would also be a, be somewhat overhang there. Um, labor productivities have, you know, we have gained a lot of labor productivity improvement using technologies, uh, you know, the tool, the AI tool that we we enable the, the, the restaurant operations. Uh, but some of that is, you know, sort of like due to the labor shortage that we have seen, you know, uh, seen the second half last year. Uh, we have mentioned that uh, we continue to try to resolve that. Uh, we are looking into increasing the staffing, staffing level, uh, make sure that we continue to maintain a high level of customer services, uh, and that's very important in the long term by the brand. Um, so, so those are the couple of things. And then, again, you know, like if you look at the overall margin fund, you know, last year we received $100 million uh, from, you know, government relief, right? So this year, you know, it's already facing out. Uh, we, we have $6 million um, uh, in the first quarter, and we will expect that to continue to face out uh, as such a year progress. So, so all in all, so we see have some positive, and then we also see some uh, headwinds in terms of margin and cost. I think I just want to add two comments. One is we have been very consistent with the path uh, of recovery for Pizza Hut uh, since the, the time we commit to turn around. Uh, we have uh, always been uh, very clear about our priority, which is sales first, profit later, and we focus on improving the fundamentals uh, of the business in the last few years, and we are grateful that we are seeing the results. Uh, so that's point one. Point two is what is next? Um, <laughs> the next is to focus on uh, improving all aspects of the changes that we made in the last few years and cement the changes made to make Pizza Hut a resilient business model. That's what we want uh, because that's what we have been trying hard to, to achieve for KFC uh, which is a very resilient business, and we want Pizza Hut to be a resilient business model as well. And at least in two aspects, we want to continue. One is sales first, profit later, that's the path in the last few years. Next, we want both sales and profit. As I mentioned in other um, occasions before, sales is vanity, profit is vanity, and uh, we want a bit of both. Second, the second aspect of the resilient business model uh, you can see we have been increasing building our off-premise business. So now between the delivery and takeaway, the off-premise business is over 40% of the business. And this is important because we are not relying too heavily on dining business. Uh, it's much better to have dining, delivery, and right now uh, takeaway or ready to cook uh, product as well, uh, you know, four pillars, four pillars uh, of the business uh, instead of two pillars. So these are two examples of resilience that we are looking for. Thank you, Lawton. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, Julie and Andy. Our next telephone question comes from Michelle Chang from Goldman Sachs. Please ask your question, Michelle. Uh, hi, Joey, Andy. Uh, my question is about the occupancy and other costs. Uh, we actually noticed that uh, this uh, call sign has been uh, 
uh, huge uh, savings in the past few quarters. So can, can you give us more colors uh, on the breakdown? And also more specifically on rental ratio, uh, we heard from other like leading uh, restaurant trends, they, uh, they have a pretty favorable rental term post-COVID. So just wondering that compared with the pre-COVID level, are we also seeing a, a, a good uh, rental saving and uh, how sustainable these uh, article saving uh, can be seen in the next few quarters? Thank you. Um, Michelle, thanks. Uh, this is Andy. So regarding uh, your question on O&O, um, I think you're right. Like, you know, we've seen, you know, quite substantial uh, improvement, uh, you, know, um, you know, coming from uh, the O&O segment, uh, you know, 7% uh, year-over-year lower, uh, and then roughly 1.4% uh, lower than 2019 same period. Um, I think, you know, as you can see, these two number. Um, O&O um, in, in a big part is, you know, driven by sales leverage, uh, you know, so that's the, the most important factor that's driving that. Uh, the other one is that, you know, if you look at utilities, there's two things that's going on there. I think over the past year or so, you know, the government have, you know, sort of reduced the utility uh, costs, uh, you know, to, to basically try to improve the business environment, especially during the pandemic, so that also helped. Um, how long this last? I think I think uh, maybe end of the year or, or early next year. Uh, the other one is you know obviously over the past couple of years we have you know, tried to improve our kitchen uh, automation operations. Uh, you know we have mentioned you know smart uh, utility device that we have installed in some of the store, uh, you know some of the procedure. So that also lower that. Um, and then uh, and then also we mentioned that you know uh, some of the savings is due to grant relief, uh, temporary relief, and some of the government relief. Um, you know, uh, in terms of security uh, payments and whatnot. So, so that I think in, this, in the first quarter we still have sort of six million dollars. So, uh, all these combinations, you know, um, help us, uh, you know, sort of improve that OTO um, uh, as a percentage of our sales. Uh, but I think, you know, um, so I think some of those is carry forward. You know, uh, but you know, a, a big part of that uh, would probably, uh, you know, have to do with you know the sales leverage that we. Yeah, thank you, Andy. Sure. The next phone question is from Anne Ling from Jefferies. Please ask your question, Anne. Hey, hi, Andy. Hi, Joey. Um, I have a question, you know, regarding um, uh, the operating, um, uh, the leverage. You know, I, it, it's a very good margin that we have experienced in the first quarter. I'm just wondering, like, you know, whether um, there is any, like, um, uh, not one off, but it's like you know, a a um, it catch up, you know, because the sales has been so strong. So um, there are some of the investment that we need to do it, but because of the time time shift, that um, that we, I mean, that the, the question I want to ask is that you know what what should we be expecting in terms of the operating margin in the coming uh, coming couple of quarter? Is there some of the other investment that we need to play a catch up because? Uh, because, like, you know, first quarter was so good that there are some some of the costs that might have lagged behind. Um, so, so that's my question. And also, a side question is on the um, delivery side. Uh, if we, um, with this um, uh, effort in terms of, like, you know, sharing the um, the riders, you know, between um, Pizza Hut and KFC, in that case, you know, um, uh, in the past, you know, we have um, uh, a uh, we talked about a little bit of the margin dilution uh, for the delivery business. Uh, with all these like exercise, you know, do you think that you know, um, uh, at some point, you know, our margin for delivery business will be at par to the dining in, given the fact that the, 
the, the, the sales mix you know, is, uh, is getting higher and higher on the delivery side. Thank you. Hi, Anne. Uh, this is Andy. Let me try to address, you know, your questions uh, about, you know, mm -hmm. some of the one-off and whatnot. Uh, so, uh, obviously, I think, you know, like uh, last year we have received government subsidies and whatnot, and then, and then as you mentioned, you know, that continues to phase out. Uh, in the first quarter, we have a sentiment down. I think that, that will continue to be the trend there. Uh, the other part is that, you know, um, you know for the uh, cost of sales, for example, um, we were, you know, uh, we were, I think after a couple of years of, you know, rising com uh, protein and, and commodity prices, beginning of second half last year, we began to see that easing up. Uh, we benefited quite a bit uh, in the first quarter. Uh, we see a 7% year over decline, you know, in the poultry prices, for example. Uh, but as you, you have probably noticed that on the news, you know, like uh, we see uh, corn prices, you know, all those feeding stock that uh, uh, prices are going up. Yeah. Uh, we're already seeing, you know, like the protein prices, you know, uh, going up, uh, both here in China, but also overseas. Uh, we, our contract is locked up, you know, probably one to two quarter ahead of time. Uh, but we, as you mentioned, you know, we would see that tailwind begin to subside uh, as the year progress and uh, potentially and likely potentially turn into inflationary pressure uh, later on this year. Uh, the other one is, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we have embarked on, you know, the uh, phasing out of plastic. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, and then and then as we see uh, delivery and takeaway as, as an increasingly important part of our business, we are also investing into improving the packaging for those operations. So you would probably also see, you know, like the packaging costs would go up uh, as the year progresses as we, we, we continue to roll that out. Uh, in terms of labor, I think, you know, this. Part of that is, you know, obviously labor productivity uh, that we have been, you know, ongoing for a number of years now. Uh, is the goal is really to to continue to see that labor productivity improvement, uh, you know, by providing you know technologies and toolkits, uh, you know, to improve that workshop operations. Um, I think there's two issues there. One is that um, one is that we did experience some labor shortage since last uh, since last second half last year, as I mentioned. Uh, we try to rectify that. Uh, and then try to step up, you know, the hiring. But I think uh, we still have not at the level that, you know, uh, that we, we, we would like to see. Um, so, so we'll continue to drive that. The other one is, you know, obviously wage inflation. Um, as the economy, as the, you know, the pickup, uh, you know, as the pandemic impact subside, uh, you know, as we mentioned, you know, you have to kind of by some restrictions by government income mobility for some of the part-time worker. But overall, I think the labor uh, market will be getting tighter and tighter, uh, and then we're likely going to see uh, wage inflation uh, potentially also stepping up. Um, and, and that is, you know, a you have to remember that it's compounded for two years, right? So, uh, so that that's going to happen that we have to work work through. Um, for for delivery, I think it's not always necessary a uh, you know it's more complicated story for the margin, uh, you know, uh, because we need to look at holistically, you know, um, you know. Obviously, you know, we have the delivery costs uh, that just add up to it. Uh, but we also, you know, to see if we can improve our operation inside the restaurant, right, to improve margin. So if you look at our margin, for example, um, you know, before the pandemic, uh, you know, we, we see that, you know, the, the, the sort of like COL margin um, relatively stable uh, despite, you know, our, our uh, delivery volume or, or percentage mix of uh, sales in, increase from, I think uh, six six percent maybe uh, uh, in two thousand 
almost like, almost like 30% uh, in, in 2019. So, so, so we are able to find a way to offset that, you know, uh, you know increase in, in delivery costs. Um, so we will continue to do that uh, as, as we invest, uh, but th that, that will likely continue to be, you know, a pressure, but we're trying to find a way to, to offset that. Uh, so that's overall. So I think, you know, like, uh, I know we, we, we have delivered very strong uh, probability, and we, we're very proud of our team, you know, in her cost control. But you're right, you know, like in going into the you know, next few quarter, uh, we, we're going to see some, some headwind in terms of cost and expense. Uh, and um, hi, I just want to add three points to Andy's comment. Uh, in terms of cost side, we continue to work on it, of course, such as the delivery 3.0 upgrade with rider platform upgrade, AI enabled zoning, rider routing optimization that helps. But I, what I really, really want to point out is point two and point three. These are the other aspect of the equation. Uh, Point two is about the sales upside during peak trading period and peak trading hours. Um, if we can um, have enough riders, we actually have more sales upside mm -hmm. during the peak trading period and peak trading hours. And Chinese New Year is a very good example. So it, it, it would be a bit misleading to ourselves if we just look at the cost side. So that's point two. Point three. Just think about this. When when Andy said um, earlier, it's a holistic approach. It is a holistic approach. It, it's not necessary that straightforward to think that having more store helps the delivery cost. But indeed, it was that way. Uh, when when we increase the store portfolio density, then we reduce the average circle of delivery distance. For example, when we have more store, we can reduce the delivery distance of the rider from five kilometers to three kilometers, and that reduces the cost. So it's uh, it's not only just the cost. Uh, we have uh, uh, other quite a few aspects that we can do to both increase the sales and to manage the cost. And our number has shown that we have we have been able to do that in the last few years. Thank you, Anne. And uh, uh, Sandy, just want to add a little bit on on. On Joey's comment, two things. So one is Joey is correctly point out. You know, if incremental incremental sales, the profit margin is much higher. Right? Obviously, the incremental margin should be higher. The other one is that you know, in terms of um, you know the you know the rider uh, you know the rider uh, uh, network effect, uh, it's a very interesting thing that I think we're still wanting to see how the dynamics work. Right? You know, the high have high density network uh, that's enabled by the fact that we run our own delivery network. We have a hybrid model. Correct. We work with the aggregator, yeah. you know, with the traffic and our own app. But the delivery, we manage that operation ourselves. We have a dedicated rider. So we can continue looking to improvement on the network factor that benefits from that. So that, that may be a little bit different from, you know, the U.S. Uh, restaurant operators and some of the operators, most uh, restaurant operators here in China. Uh, we want to create the big model. Got it. Thank you. Our next telephone question is from Lillian Lau from Morgan Stanley. Please ask your question, Lillian. 
thanks. Hi, Andy and Joey. Yeah, I have actually uh, one of the follow-up questions because most of the questions were answered. That's still about the comment that uh, Joey just made about uh, to look at the business on the holistic approach. So compared to a couple of years ago when delivery was uh, still relatively smaller amount of the uh, revenue, right now it's uh, close to 30%. And also the store network in the lower tier cities, the, the, intensity, the intensity is actually higher. Um, compared to then, uh, what kind of margin uh, impact uh, to this um, kind of uh, dynamic changes. Um, in particular, like uh, delivery, uh, we know that it still probably, it depends on the calculation, it probably still margin dilutive, but compared to a couple of years ago, um, what kind of uh, margin impact of uh, these uh, uh, delivery and also lower tier um, store uh, changes to the margin and uh, what kind of uh, projection we can make uh, for the next couple of years. Uh, will it be uh, incrementally positive to margin? Thank you. Okay. Um, thanks, Lillian. Uh, this is Sandy. Let me take a crack at this, and then maybe uh, if Julie have more additional add, she can add a little bit more later. Um, in terms of delivery, I think, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if it's fair to say, you know, the, the delivery margin is dilutive to the overall corporation. As we mentioned before, you know, like, uh, we generally look at, you know, the restaurant operation holistically, right? So we have multiple way of you know, delivering the product to our customer, dine-in, right, take away and deliver. Now, um, you know, it's important to look at, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the rational margin for us because, you know, food is unlike e-commerce, right? E-commerce, you don't need, you need you just warehouse and distribute to the consumer. Food, you need to deliver to the consumer at certain time, right, to ensure quality of the food uh, and then customer satisfaction. Uh, so having a production or restaurant location is almost a must. For us, if you look at, you know, the delivery, delivery has been going very rapidly. I think, you know, uh, we believe that, you know, that's incremental to our overall sales, uh, you know. Uh, and then the other part is that, you know, if you look at overall restaurant margin, for example, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, um, Pepsi, uh, before the, you know, pandemic, it was relatively stable, right? So, you know, it's about 18% uh, in 2017, 18, 19. Uh, and then, you know, we are back to, you know, um, sort of similar level. Uh, you know, in the first quarter this year. So all through this period, you know, uh, obviously delivery has been increasing mix, as I mentioned before, you know, like about delivery was about 11%, you know, of our sales, uh, you know, in, in 2017, and now it's about 30 cent plus, right? So, uh, so we're able to maintain that margin. Uh, obviously it's hard work, uh, you know, there's a lot of work going through it, but, uh, but it, it hasn't been, you know, particularly diluted to, uh, you know, uh, the other one is that if you look at, you know, for example, the labor cost expenditure, for example, um, you know, for for, for KFC, right, for example, um, you know, it uh, has been also relatively stable, uh, despite, you know, obviously we continue to see uh, wage inflation in China at, you know, before the pandemic to high single digit level, right? So if you look at KFC's, uh, you know, uh, cost of labor, which including, you know, the uh, wider cost there, uh, was about, you know, 20, 20%, 21%. Uh, it's stable in 2018 and 19, both logically speaking, it's probably 20, 21, 21, 20, yeah, about 21%, right? So, uh, and then in this year, we, we add about 22%. So, uh, so overall, I think, you know, as, as, uh, Joey mentioned, uh, it's not, you know, necessarily dilutive for us. Uh, if it's incremental sales, 
coming in by delivery. Um, we actually have higher margin because this, you know, the marginal uh, contribution from additional sales is actually pretty high. Uh, Thank you, Andy. I just have one more point to add, Lillian. Actually, the shift to to the delivery business actually help our rental percentage as well. Just maybe bring that into equation. Why? Uh, because if we if our if our store is relying too heavily on dining business, the location cannot be compromised too much. It has to be it has to be very very good location. Otherwise, you don't get the business. But when we are building more and more delivery friendly stores, uh, relying more and more on delivery, we actually open up more opportunity uh, for locations that are at slightly lower rent. And that's not a small deal for us. Um, so so as, as we expand our store portfolio, moving towards delivery, uh, certainly it, it, it helps. Okay, thank you, Lillian. Thanks a lot, Joey and Andy. Our next telephone question comes from Christine Peng from UBS. Please ask your question, Christine. Um, hi, management. I just have one quick question regarding the outlook uh, provided by the management earlier. So you, you mentioned about there are still some uncertainties um, uh, in, in, in China regarding COVID-19 uh, situation. But having said that, we actually observed a very strong pickup in the domestic traveling activities, especially going into the Labor Day holiday. So can you maybe give us more colors in terms of the sequential trend you are observing uh, in China in, in the past uh, one or two months so that investors can get a better feeling in, in terms of what is the expectation we should be, uh, we should be setting uh, for the upcoming one or two quarters uh, since the sales um, uh, recovery uh, compared with uh, pre-COVID-19 um, level? Thank you. Hi, Christine. Uh, this is Andy. Um, so I think, you know, uh, you're correct that, you know, like if you know the domestic travel volume, you know, have picked up quite a bit, uh, I think this year and uh, especially Spring Festival and potentially going into the uh, Labor Day, um, you know, uh, holidays. Um, so that's the overall traffic volume side. Uh, I think, um, you know, that that But the difference is that, you know, the consumer behavior still remain cautious. So if you look at, you know, the trip that they take generally, uh, Shorter trip. Um, so, uh, if you look at overall spending level, uh, it's still down. You know, I think uh, quite significantly. It's probably down 40% plus compared to, uh, you know, uh, pre-COVID level. Right. So, um, I think there's two things that we need to separate. Right. You know, the, the trip that people take, uh, but the type of trip that they take may be different, and also the spending level is different. And I think that is, uh, you know, similar to what we observed before. Right. Like uh, Joey mentioned, generally when we see that some some pent up, you know, like sort of like urge to to go out and to when there's a holiday, right, to to relax. But uh, so we see that, you know, sometimes you know the, the holiday sales will be relatively strong. Uh, but then there's you know post holiday season, you know, sort of like you know softening. Uh, people generally, uh, you know, still are cautious, you know, about the COVID situations and then also the economy, economic uh, uh, situations, right. So um, you know, that's obviously due that risk and uncertainty for folks. Um, so, so that's what's going on here. Like, I think uh, if you look at the overall situation, it is, is much better uh, compared to 2020, obviously, in terms of, like, COVID situations, uh, even compared to, you know, obviously we, we – but, again, as we have mentioned before, is we need to stay alert. 
not to be alarmed, but to alert. Uh, the reason is because, you know, if we look at in China, we have a, a mini resurgence uh, of both situations uh, in the end of last year and early January. So uh, when things come down, I think it's easy for folks to think, like, everything's back to normal. But, but I think reality is that we're not. Uh, we also, you know, I think that what's happening internationally would also have an impact on the overall consumer uh, 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 segment here. Uh, we have seen, you know, the situation in India, uh, you know, uh, I'll have to go out to, to, the, to you, know, uh, you know, the folks in India that impacted by COVID-19. Uh, it's a constant reminder for us that, you know, we're not out of the woods. Uh, we need to, uh, we continue to expect the recovery, the full recovery to be, you know, uh, nonlinear and, and even. Uh, and, and it's just not a saying. I think it's our firm belief, and it's how we operate and plan for different uh, scenarios, different situations. And, you know, we encourage analysts and, and investors to do the same, not to extract linearly, uh, linear extrapolations. Uh, and, you know, um, but that's how we plan. That's why we say the full recovery for our same cell sales takes some time. Thank you. And our next question is from Lena Yen from HSBC. Please ask your question. Hi. Uh, thanks, management, for the very detailed analysis on your performance. Um, I have a question regarding the base effect of sales at the traffic hubs. Uh, I think you started to talk about the very negative growth at the traffic hubs from second quarter last year. So um, it has always been high single digit of your sales. Uh, like from second quarter last year. So uh, would you comment that uh, the base for uh, traffic hub sales will become more favorable from second quarter onwards? Thank you. Um, yeah, likely, right? So, so you know, because, you know, we, we have a big impact, obviously, uh, you, know, at the, you know, the lockdown, I think, last year in the beginning in the first quarter, and then we see rebound in the traffic uh, over, the, over the year. Um, you know, but I think, you know, the volume is still significantly below, you know, the pre-COVID level. Uh, so I think on a year-over-year basis, you will see improvement, but on a, you know, two-year period compared to pre-COVID level, I think it will take quite a bit of time for a full recovery. Uh, and then obviously we're encouraged by the fact that, you know, uh, the government's going, oh, you know, the vaccine program, the situation here in China uh, is relatively, you know, calm. Uh, and, you know, after, you know, the, the resurgence, uh, you know, in, in December and also in, in January period. Um, so, but I think uh, I think I think it would more more impactful for for KFC because it have more store in the transportation hub location. The other part is that the international. We don't don't forget we have international locations. Uh, so international travel is still pretty much you know immaterial right now, right? So uh, until you know country open up border and we see international travel, that will continue to be a big overhang for the transportation hub. Okay, thank you very much. So I think every comparison is referred to two-year comparison basis. Thank you. That's right, yeah. There's no more further questions at this time. I'd like to hand the call back to the speakers for closing remarks. Please continue. Thank you for joining the call today. We look forward to speaking with you on the next earnings call. This concludes today's call, and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you all. You may all disconnect. Have a great day. Goodbye.